0: Tonight I would like to say a few things about commitment. Commitment to the practice, commitment to the Dharma. That commitment which uh, brought us here. But before going into that, I'd like just to quickly go over what we said the other night Briefly, we said that this practice that we are doing here, this uh, simple but not so easy practice that uh, we're doing here, um, exercises, trains, on the one hand, the uh, letting go, the capacity for letting go, and uh, on the other hand, Acceptance, the capacity for acceptance, of acceptance. And we also saw that uh, when we say acceptance, we imply necessarily letting go, because in order for us to accept something which is difficult inside, we have to drop our resistance to having a difficult state, as you might remember. The training in letting go, the training in uh, acceptance means training in understanding, training in in basic tenderness, and training in intelligence. Acceptance uh, seems to have resonated quite a bit, and a number of people commented upon it in interviews. So it might be worth just, uh, again briefly, to um, add a couple of observations, Um, just key things about acceptance. The first one is that acceptance is very active. The the acceptance we are talking about is something very active and which takes um, work and training In other words, it is not to be confused with acceptance as a passive attitude. We do not need any training to develop that kind of acceptance. It is a big problem, and another name for it is fear. So that uh, acceptance uh, has nothing to do with the acceptance we are talking about. But even more important, from a practical viewpoint, is that acceptance in this practice, and uh, I don't know of um, shortcuts personally, but acceptance gets generated by careful careful contemplation of non-acceptance within ourselves. Uh, we uh, develop acceptance through careful and Frequent, as much continuous as possible, contemplation of non-acceptance. Whatever, whenever there is aversion, whenever there is uh, attachment, fear, you know, lack of space, contraction, then our practice calls us upon paying attention again and again to this closing up, to this non-acceptance. Um, It is the stroking of the child that we were talking about the other night. Now, this is even more important. The issue is not whether this system works or not. The issue is whether we do it or not. Because if we do it, it works. It does work. As everyone who's been doing it for a certain amount of time knows, If it doesn't work, it means that we are not doing it. (laughs) You know, it's simple and clear. You know, there is a big resistance, which is technically known as avidya, ignorance, inside ourselves, which thinks that uh, we are going to get out of uh, suffering because of some uh, miracle or maybe uh, we don't even know how but uh, we think maybe yes you know we know we don't need to to work uh, too much and when we see when we say ignorance talking about avijna we we use a very polite word another an equivalent a, a synonym of this word in in pali and sanskrit is moha and moha Basically, it means stupidity, which is you know, more immediate as a word. Uh, if we say ignorance, we think if we just were a little bit more erudite, you know, um, a, a, a little bit more knowledgeable, maybe we uh, would get through. But it's not an issue of, of, of knowing more. It's is an issue of understanding more, of being just less um, stupid. So there is this, on the one hand, the basic wisdom. Uh, at the other extreme, there is the basic stupidity. And you know, we have to go from one end to the other end. So the journey through non-acceptance as a journey to reach acceptance, which means letting go acceptance, allow us to go back to the breath, in terms of our practice, which means to go back to the present moment, to be able to live more fully uh, in the present moment, which allows us to understand and love more. Because you know, when we say living in the present, m- because of certain conditioning that we have, we might find uh, like a modest uh, enterprise. Uh, we, we get more excited if we think of, uh, you know, brandishing the sword of, of wisdom or becoming a fountain of compassion and love. You know, this is it. Whereas if we say living in the present moment, when you know, what's what's great about it? Like dogs and cats. You know? <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, it takes a lot of peace, compassion. Understanding to be able to abide even a little bit in the present. Otherwise, 10,000 things will pull us out um, of the present moment. So we are talking about something very deep when we talk about being in the present. Uh, and probably we'll talk more about this in the next uh, few nights. There's more life in the present moment. William James said, uh, "What is sanctity?" And he said, "More life." What does sanctity mean? More life. But if we don't abide into the present moment, we cannot get more life. To the contrary, on the contrary, we get depleted, we get less life. So, through letting go, through acceptance, we can get more unified. Uh, less split, more alive, more understanding, more compassionate. Now, if we turn to commitment, we, I think, have to start from a a different angle. We've been considering the angle of dropping, you know, letting go, of of, um, accepting. Now we should consider the dynamic side of the practice. If you just think of the simple but not so easy practice that we are doing, uh, in order for us to go back to the breath, we need to decide. We need to choose. We have to intend to go back to the breath. So we are training another capacity, a dynamic capacity, in addition to letting go and uh, acceptance, which is the wanting, the willing, the choosing, the intending. Just think of one average day in a retreat. How many times did we decide to go back to the breath or to the stepping or to... Whatever was our object of meditation at the moment, maybe some pain we were exploring, and the mind drifts away and we decide to go back, and we choose and choose again and choose once again to go back to the center. It's a lot of training in terms of the power of choosing. Power of choosing. Is something which needs training and something which we actually train quite a lot in this practice. This is the active, the active side. We can sometimes be unaware of how much work we are doing on that, on that side, but if you think of it, it's it's a, you know, remarkable momentum. Just, you know, deciding and deciding and deciding. We learn how to decide, how to choose, and that's called right effort. And uh, maybe uh, if we think of uh, how a relationship with with, uh, a person develops, we can have a, um, a helpful comparison. Say maybe we like someone, and uh, we are curious, we've had some curiosity, so we start taking some initiative, taking some step. We choose to talk to that person, we choose to see that person, and uh, we might end up being married to that person, or, or not, but this is a possibility. In other words, we go from little choices, to something much vaster, which is a commitment for life. From a series of little choices, little small decisions, to a decision for life, to a, a, a bigger commitment. So, in the same way, maybe we hear of some vipassana stuff, or zen, or whatever, and uh, we decide to, to have a look Maybe we've been postponing for um, a few years, and then we decide that it's time to have a look. And so we, we, we make this uh, series of steps, of decisions, and um, we get involved. We like it. And we do more of it, and we find ourselves committed to the Dharma, committed to the practice, married to the Dharma. at this point we can maybe continue with the analogy there is a honeymoon the dharma, the dharma and then the honeymoon at one point is over and what happens in a, in a, in a relationship in a, in a marriage is that at this point it takes renewal of commitment In other words, we uh, should start again with many small decisions, many small choices, Uh, actually more than before, having to do with sensitivity to our partner, husband, wife, having to do basically with giving ourselves to the new situation, Uh, having to do basically with some uh, reducing of our ego. just uh, everyday everyday choices, everyday decisions, to nourish the commitment, to give uh, food to the commitment, to give give, um, water to the commitment. And uh, see, as the time goes by, we might realize that We are creating, we are nourishing something bigger, which is taking care of ourselves, is taking care of the two people. We, at the beginning, we can think in a a somehow naive way that uh, we are doing something for the other person, right? But we are, it is, well, this is true, but we are doing something for a value which is bigger than the other person and ourselves. The value is this commitment. And at one point, is as though the commitment had a life of itself. And it holds the two people, the two persons, and, 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 and helps and supports. So in a, in a, in a, in a, in a first phase, we've been maybe you know, toiling, uh, sweating, laboring, and then there is a momentum, there is a, a, an energy, a strength, which, which uh, takes over and things become easier. If we think of the uh, image of the raft in, in, in uh, the Buddhist tradition, like the Dharma being a raft Whose, uh, the, 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 the use of which is crossing over the ocean of suffering, right? So we have to build this raft, and it takes, uh, it takes work, it takes commitment. But then, at one point, the raft is taking us, the, the raft is holding us. The commitment to the Dharma is similar to the commitment to a person, I think, But, of course, the Dharma is much vaster than one person. Commitment to the Dharma is commitment to no less than the totality of life, which means committing oneself to everything which happens in our life. Otherwise, this is not Dharma. If we discriminate, if we have a dual vision, That is not Dharma. But to the extent that we commit ourselves to everything which arises in our life, to working with everything which happens, then we we, we, we have a true commitment to the Dharma. Committing to everything which happens, committing ourselves to everything which happens means that we work more and more with the relationship that we have with things, mind states, events. Say, becoming more equanimous, more balanced, means that we have a different relationship with things which happen, right? If we are less uh, carried away, by things which happen, then it means that we've changed, to some extent, our relationship to events, our relationship to our mind-state. If we are worried, we, uh, and we've worked with our preoccupations, we can take oursev- ourselves less seriously. And this too shows that our relationship with our worries our worries, has changed. So changing our relationship with our mind states, with our reactions, is the work of the Dharma. So committing ourselves to the Dharma is no less than committing ourselves to changing our relationship with life. Because, why should we change our relationship with life? Because evidently, the one we have now makes us suffer. Otherwise we wouldn't be here sitting all day long. So we need to change our relationship with life, with what happens inside, outside, is the same. Now, talking about commitment, um, a Zen teacher, Charlotte Joko Beck, in her wonderful book, Everyday Zen, uh, makes um, an important observation. I don't have the, the exact quote, but more or less, she says, freedom and commitment are closely connected. When two people, commit themselves to one another in marriage, for instance, these two people, in a sense, in a way, are shutting the door on the possibility to turn off the heat and the pressure which is part of the relationship. They are shutting the door That's a very precise image to talk about commitment. As Vipassana students, maybe we should say, gently shutting the door. (laughs) Okay, the idea, the important idea is shutting the door. Um, And she says, uh, shutting the door on the possibility of turning off, of taking away the heat and the pressure which is part of every relationship. But if the heat and the pressure are accepted as part of the commitment, then the heat and the pressure will generate growth and the relationship will blossom. Now, this, this analogy I think is very interesting in terms of the practice. In other words, she's is saying if a relationship is not a superficial one, a relationship is bound to bring change in our life, to bring crisis in our life. A non-superficial relationship inevitably, you know, we, we will have to uh, to work. Inevitably, belief systems, habits, are questioned, are shattered by a deep, strong relationship. That's why a relationship can be such a a good tool for growth. Heat and pressure. You know, we, in other words, we, if we stay in the relationship, we cook, right? It's one aspect of it. We, I don't think the idea is uh, to be grim. And, uh, but it's a very important aspect of a true relationship. The, the, the commitment to the relationship means to stay within the relationship and, and work with the relationship. And then the relationship becomes very uh, uh, creative and, and, and productive. Now, if we think of our commitment to the practice and our commitment to the Dharma, it's the same. Actually, it's very visible in a retreat. Since we are committed to the Dharma, we come to a retreat and we start seeing things about ourselves which uh, maybe we we would like not to see. So, heat, pressure, which is created by our commitment to the Dharma, these things would not come to the surface if we didn't have this commitment to the practice, to the Dharma. And the stronger the commitment, and the more... Trouble. I don't think we should be afraid of this. This is a very important point. That commitment, on the one hand, is a big help, is an incredible shelter, support, refuge, it's home, right? But on the other hand, is trouble, means problems because commitment is pushing us and you know creates turmoil creates uh, difficulty we practice more and more and more and we see more things and we have more stuff to work with but if we stay with the heat and with the pressure we'll go through and 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 out so commitment is pushing us, commitment is holding us, and commitment is guiding us through the upsets and the troubles which it has created for us. A very complex and active dimension, if we think of it. So because of commitment not difficulties, upsets arise in our life and in our practice. And they arise if we look according to dharmic eyes. They arise in order to help us. Because without difficulties, without upsets, we wouldn't work. We wouldn't... uh, choose mindfulness and acceptance again and again and again. So troubles and upsets and difficulties are training us. That's why commitment creates and generates all those disturbances. It's out of compassion for us. I don't mean that... um, Difficulties become pleasant as time goes by. Difficulties are unpleasant, and we don't like difficulties. We don't wish ourselves a lot of difficulties for tomorrow. Uh, We'd rather have a very peaceful and concentrated day, of course. But when they come, we start having a different attitude we start being a little bit more able to say, OK, instead of, oh, no. Because we, we sense, we start seeing, we start sensing that it is possible to work with them and that the fruit of working with difficulties has no price. It's the Dharma. It gives us something which has no price. You know, the, 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 the difficulties, the troubles, at one point, would be gone. And we are left with something precious, which is to say the tools, we, the instruments, that we have refined through working with the difficulties. So the difficulties are gone, they will come back. But they, they are gone. and uh, They are not uh, frightening uh, the way they were before, or when we encountered them, and on the other hand, we have something precious in our hand, and, this what we, and it is what we have developed the instrument and the tools that we have uh, refined, that we have, uh, um, you know, made more uh, precise and helpful. Thanks the difficulties, thanks to the troubles which were born uh, because of our strong commitment. So we owe, literally, we owe something to our difficulties, to our troubles. We owe a lot of training, a lot of opening up of of our heart. This is not not small, not small thing, so commitment before, commitment during, commitment after, commitment as a, as a, as a, a push, a drive, commitment as a help, and commitment as a tool to work. Again, Charlotte Jogbeck says we should be ready in our practice to be with whatsoever, uh, with anything comes up pride, avidity, arrogance, sorrow, joy, without trying to manipulate any of this. By virtue of our sitting practice and by virtue of our mindfulness our attachments in time will simply dry out. Which means a lot of freedom. Again she says the practice is shutting the door on a dualistic vision of life. And this needs commitment. When you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like going into the meditation hall, shut the door on this. Put your feet out of the bed and go. If you feel lazy during your work, Shut the door and do your best. In relationship, shut the door on criticism and on rudeness. Shutting the door. Having the pressure and the heat. Having, having the possibility to work and having the fruits of the work. But if we don't shut the door, if we don't commit ourselves, we don't have the heat, we don't have the pressure, we keep dispersing ourselves, we keep fragmenting ourselves. Commitment takes courage, but courage is a word which comes from heart, So it's an act of generosity for ourselves and for everyone. It's not uh, just an ambitious feat, true courage. True courage is an act of generosity. It's an act of life, of giving life. You know, whenever we uh, are mindful, we are giving life. So commitment is a big, big act of courage, of giving life, of, you know, we stop calculating, we stop imagining, just give ourselves. And then, as we said, at one point commitment becomes more natural, more organic. It's as though it went by itself. It is not us pushing, it's, it's commitment which is uh, taking us, which is bringing us. Charles of um recounts a tale from the old times. It's, uh, it's sounds a little bit sinister, but um, it's basically a good tale. She says that there was this man who had fallen in love with uh, a beautiful and perverse woman. And um, he proposed to her and she said, Okay, I'm willing to marry you but um, this has a cost, I want something from you. And he asks, what do you want from me? Your mother's head. Because she felt that uh, uh, the man's mother was uh, some hindrance. So she decided that, uh, didn't want this hindrance. And uh, the man who was very much in love decided that, yes, he would have got his mother's head. So went home, uh, took a sword, and uh, cut her mother's head off. Took the head and started running frantically in the night to bring the head to this uh, kind woman. While while he's running, the head speaks and says, um, slow down, my son, you might hurt yourself. If you, you know, run like that, you might hurt yourself. So Charlotte Jokovic says this as a metaphor of a commitment which goes beyond, as something which stays beyond death. The commitment is still there, you know, no matter what. So may we all be very committed to our practice.